Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome to Speed Zone here on this Wednesday evening. Uh, whether wherever you're listening to the, tonight's show, whether you're abroad or here in Huntington, uh, welcome aboard. We got a great show for you tonight. No interview, but we have plenty to talk about. It was a busy, busy, busy weekend in, of racing uh, in America and internationally, and it might be the last busy weekend of racing here in 2023. So we got plenty to talk about. We're going to have a bit of a longer show tonight as a lead-in to Marshall men's soccer coverage tonight uh, versus Kentucky so we'll be leading into the show or leading into that program later this evening but we've got NASCAR championship weekend to talk about uh, we've got NASCAR news to talk about dirt racing news and also some about the All-American 400 but here first tonight it's flag to flag Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. And there was certainly a lot that happened this past weekend in racing, beginning with the Arkham Menard Series West at Phoenix Raceway, the first of four championship races for NASCAR. Yes, ARCA and NASCAR, it's the same entity now, uh, at Phoenix this past weekend, beginning with Friday. Again, the Arkham Menard Series West race. William Sawalich was the winner, and Sean Hingarani, a first-time champion in the West Series for ARCA. The final race on the ARCA platform for 2023 featured two of its three champions inside the top three with Sawalich in first. He was the East Series champion and Hingarani ended up in P3. Uh, taking home the owner's championship in the West Series was the number 17 of Caden Honeycutt for MMI Racing. There was a bit of a change midway through the season. Landon Lewis was second in the point standings in the 17 car, got pulled out for Honeycutt. Honeycutt comes in. There's no driver's championship but an owner's points championship for Honeycutt and MMI Racing. And uh, again, Overcoming a flat tire, still kept control of the owner's title, salvaging a ninth-place run. But your top five in the Arkham Menard Series West race at Phoenix Raceway on Friday. William Sawalich was your winner. Dean Thompson in P2. Sean Hingarani, your champion in third place. Jack Wood in P4. And Tyler Reif in P5. Now on to a wild NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race that started on te- it started 10 p.m. here on the east coast of the United States. Oh, boy. Also at Phoenix Raceway. And your winner was Christian Eckes. But your champion, and a bit of a shock, was the underdog, really, of the final four entering the race. Ben Rhodes claimed his second series championship in the last three years with a hard-earned fifth-place finish in his uh, number 99 Ford or uh, Ford F-150. Uh, while McAnally Hilgeman Racing's Christian Eckes can race to his fourth win of the season by a slight .421 second win over rookie teammate Jake Garcia in four dramatic overtime periods. That's right, count them, four overtimes in that race. The conclusion to an evening that had 12 cautions, 29 laps of overtime competition, and uh, plenty of high-stakes racing as it was championships night and or championship night in the Craftsman trucks. And especially amongst the four championship contenders, there was a lot of drama. We'll be talking about that later on in the show. Carson Hosevar and Corey Heim, who boy. Your top five in the Craftsman Truck Series race from Phoenix in 
the championship finale. Christian Eckes, your winner. Jake Garcia in P2. Chase Purdy in third place. Jesse Love, his final start in a Toyota, at least for now, in P4 Tricon Racing, the Tricon Garage. And Ben Rhodes, your champion, rounded out the top five. Now on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series, also at Phoenix Raceway. This one on Saturday. Your winner was Cole Custer. His first ever NASCAR title. Victory was his third of the season for Custer, who returned to the uh, Xfinity Series full-time this year after a lackluster three-year stint in the NASCAR Cup Series, where he did earn a single victory, but final two years of that run, not exactly ideal. But he steered his double-zero Sturdos Racing uh, Ford to the inside of Justin Allgaier's number seven Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports uh, off of turn number two at Phoenix. On the final restart, three wide down the back stretch uh, with also joined by John Hunter Nemechek, who led the series with seven wins this year but didn't walk away with the title, finished 28th. And Custer emerged with the lead, heading into turn number three with two to go. A lap later, Custer crossed the finish line uh, six, six tenths of a second ahead of a charging Sheldon Creed. Bridesmaid once again, very fittingly, in the number two car. And another... Uh, Guess or also ahead of Justin Allgaier to win for the first time at Phoenix and the 13th time in his Xfinity Series career. And your top five in the Xfinity Series event, final race of the year for, again, the Xfinity Series. Cole Custer and was your winner. Sheldon Creed, P2. Justin Allgaier comes up short again in a bid for his first ever Xfinity Series title. Finishes P3. Riley Herbst, another strong run to close out the year. Finishes fourth. Sam Meyer in P5 also was in contention for an Xfinity Series title. The World Endurance Championship, otherwise known as WEC, finished out its season round seven of seven on Saturday for the eight, out, eight hours of Bahrain. And it was the number eight Toyota trio of ben, Brendan Hartley, Sebastian Buemi, and Ryo Hirakawa securing the championship title this year after a dominant performance. Now onto the Cars Tour and talk about dominance at Caraway Speedway uh, for the, on Saturday for the John Blue at the third North-South Shootout. Your... Your... Uh, Excuse me, uh, late models winner uh, was Brendan Butter ben Brendan Butterbean Queen. Butterbean scored the victory, and your championship for the late model stock cars was Carson Cavapel. And then for the pro late models, it was Caden Honeycutt. Uh, another busy weekend for Honeycutt. And then the champion for the pro late models, Caden Cavapel. That's right, it was an all Cavapel weekend, and the Cavapel swept the championships in the cars tour this year. Your podium for the late model stock cars, again, Butterbean. Queen in first, Bobby McCarty in second, Landon Hoffman, his final race in the 22 machine, rounded out with a solid third place finish. Also your podium for the Prolate models, Caden Honeycutt again was your winner, Caden Cavapel, your champion, was P2, and Jimmy Renfrew Jr. was P3. And again, it was a full circle moment, not only for Carson Cavapel, but his younger brother Caden. Same track, they captured wins in the, in the old North State Nationals last year. Both secured Cars Tour championships together, Caden uh, earning his first ever in the pro late models and then uh, also Carson again a winner in the late model stock cars Brendan Queen uh, again Butterbean led wire to wire for his fourth late model stock car tour victory this year and Caden Honeycutt uh, again prevailed in the pro late models just 12 hours after running at Phoenix Raceway so impressive for Honeycutt now on to Formula One where the Brazilian Grand Prix took place this uh, Sunday at Autodromo Jose Carlos Passe and Max Verstappen again sets another record 17th 
win of the season. Pure dominance by Verstappen this year. Should be no surprise. And uh, your podium for Formula One in the Brazilian Grand Prix was Verstappen in first for Red Bull. Lando Norris, another P2 finish. Really the Sheldon Creed in Formula One this year. A bridesmaid eternally. Still yet to score that first ever Formula One victory, but Lando Norris in P2 for McLaren. And Fernando Alonso, a nice performance for Aston Martin after some mid and late season struggles for that team. And again, there was drama before the race even got underway. Charles Leclerc went off on the formation lap after he lost the hydraulics or hydraulics in his uh, Ferrari, uh, forcing him to retire. He slid into the outside barriers. The race didn't even start and he was already out. But again, it was Max Verstappen dominating off the start again and comes up with his 17th win of the season. Now on to the NASCAR Cup Series at Phoenix Raceway on Sunday. And your winner of the race was Ross Chastain. Funny enough, the name of the race was Cup Series Championship. So technically you could say Ross Chastain won the Cup Series Championship. But... uh he won the race. He didn't win the championship. Uh, the winner of the championship was Ryan Blaney. Four drivers entered to battle for a championship in the Cup Series, and one persevered with his first ever NASCAR Cup Series title in the 75th season of the Cup Series. And again, Ryan Blaney. It's Penske Racings and Fords as a manufacturer. St- second straight Cup Series championship after Joey Logano won the title last year in the 22 machine for Team Penske. And... Uh, Blaney's first ever NASCAR championship period. He's never won one in the trucks, never won one in Xfinity. His running cup, really the longest out of those three, and finally captured his first ever NASCAR championship when it comes in the Cup Series. William Byron won the pole for the event, pulled away early, but fell off as the track rubbered up. Christopher Bell, another title contender in the final four, uh, then wrecked on lap 108, uh, crashing hard into the outside wall, turned three when his right front rotor exploded, and Bell ended up finishing last. A tough end to a very solid season and my pick for the championship last week didn't go so well, uh, leaving Blaney, Byron, and Kyle Larson to battle for the championship. Blaney edged ahead of Kyle Larson on lap 292 and secured second place behind Ross Chastain, who we battled with for the lead quite intensely. But Chastain grabbed this top spot from Denny Hamlin after that restart on lap 282, and uh, Ross Chastain crossed the finish line over a second ahead of Blaney, so Chastain closes out his finish uh, uh, of the season. Finishes out the season getting the smash of melon. Blaney gets a championship trophy and the 36 race season for the NASCAR Cup Series is completed in, in the blink of an eye. It's going to be the Bush Clash in February from the Los Angeles Coliseum. So your top 10 and the final NASCAR Cup Series race of the year in the championship race. Ross Chastain for Trackhouse was your race winner. And Ryan Blaney, P2 in the race, but your championship winner for Team Penske. Kyle Larson in P3, the runner-up in the championship race. William Byron will finish third this season in the title standings after a very (laughs) dominant season. And... Chris Buescher will finish P5 uh, at Phoenix after another solid season for him for RFK Racing. Martin Truex Jr., P6. Kevin Arvick in his final race of his long, storied, and Hall of Fame undoubtedly career will finish in P7. Denny Hamlin in 8th. Michael McDowell, ninth place, and Bubba Wallace rounding out the top 10 in the Star Wars number 23 Toyota. <coughs> Two more to go here in the uh, flag flag. Again, I wasn't lying. It was a jam-packed weekend of racing. In the ASA Stars National Tour, it was the 39th All-American 400 at Nashville Fairground Speedway on Sunday. The winner, once again, it was William Sawalich, his second win of the weekend, and the National Tour champion for the ASA Stars National Tour, Ty Majeski. But it was a bit 
bit of an ugly race as Majeski and plenty of drivers were running very competitively. Cole Butcher up there also in contention for a tighter, uh, title in the National Tour. And off a restart on lap 211 of 300, so less than 100 laps to go. Butcher sustained damage in a stack-up of cars off the restart, trailed fluid all over the track, especially in turns one and two. And then the race officials for the ASA Stars National Tour didn't throw a caution. So everybody just charged on through, down the front straightaway, down into turn one, and then as if it was... Out of, uh, out of a 1920s silent comedy, all the six drivers just slid up into the outside wall. Everybody wrecked. The top six in the running order wrecked hard into the outside wall because of the fluid all over the track. And all again, those six drivers retired from the event following that incident. Ty Majeski was also dominating, again, leading the field into that crash. Championship on the line. Majeski ended up walking away with it, uh, or driving away with it so to say he finished 11th in the race but was not very happy alongside a lot of uh the drivers in the field after their cars were torn up for really a, a, an incredibly avoidable situation uh, but Sawalich, who was running eighth at the time moved into the top spot he was the first car to emerge from the incident truly unscathed and then when the race restarted he led the remaining 88 laps returning donnie wilson motorsports to victory lane in the event six years after wilson himself scored the six the signature guitar trophy in Nashville. So again, your top five in the 39th All-American 400 from Nashville Fairground Speedway this past Sunday. William Sawalich was your winner. Derek Thorne, P2. Michael House in third place. Austin Nesson in P4. And Willie Allen, co-owner of Rackley WAR, was your P5 finishing, rounding out the top five. Again, your winner, William Sawalich, and National Tour champion Ty Majeski. One final uh, thing that happened this weekend, the World of Outlaws finished up its season. The Dirt track at Charlotte in Charlotte, North Carolina. The event really went Wednesday through Saturday. Wednesday night was qualifying night, but Thursday through Saturday was the final three races of the year to get to decided champion in the World of Outlaws World Finals. Top three in race one, David Gravel was your winner on Thursday night. Rico Abreu was in P2 and Carson Macedo in third place. Again, race number one on Thursday night. Fast forward to Friday, Brent Marks was your winner. Justin Peck in P2, Tyler Courtney rounded out the top three. And then finally, final race of the year for the World of Outlaws, it was Brad Sweet winning it and securing another uh, World of Outlaws title with a win. Rico Abreu in second, Logan Schuart in P3. So Brad Sweet ended up being your champion in the World of Outlaws this year yet again. And Brad Sweet also in the news this week. We'll be talking about him in the Racing Roundtable segment. And, you know, usually after the flag-to-flag segment here on Speed Zone, we have what I like to call the best segment of the show, What's Up This Week. But, you know, sadly... This week, you know, there really isn't a lot of racing. And, you know, there's really only two things that are happening this week. And, I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but there really is not a lot of racing. No, no! Now, I know, I know, DW. I, I hate it, too. But the only two things that are really up this week, uh, there's MotoGP at Sepang from Malaysia, 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. And then also on Saturday, the In-N-Out Burger NHRA Finals Eliminations from Pomona, California. That'll be at 4 p.m. on Saturday. So, no 
oval track racing really this weekend so uh, whether you want to watch MotoGP or some drag racing that's what's on this week uh, in the world of racing but we'll take a quick break and when we come back it's going to be the racing roundtable segment where myself and multiple guest panelists are going to discuss the uh, and decode really the last championship weekend or at least uh, the championship weekend for NASCAR and then the last weekend of racing where there was much more in the world of racing news dirt racing also we'll be talking about the All-American 400 because there's more to that story and more up next here on Speed Zone My grandchild was born today three months premature It wasn't supposed to be like this My daughter so worried my granddaughter, so tiny. One in eight babies is born premature. It's the leading cause of newborn death and many disabilities. Visit MarchOfDimes.com and see how you can help. Premature birth. The answers can't come soon enough. Hey, if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Woo, now that that's over, who's at the table today? And who is at the table today? None other than our returning cast per usual, Dale Garrett, Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the show, you two. It's always great to be on, Ben. Thanks for having me here on Speed Zone. You had a very somber tone that time sean <laughs> i did oh wait oh no no i forgot to uh that's my bad i forgot to uh no, no! i forgot to pause the sound effects panel it's that's my bad but you know what we're up i i had to cheer you up you know with a indycar flyby i'm 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 excited ben it's, it, it's, it's great <laughs> what, what do you what do you want me to do here man? we're going off the rails no we're not great joy we uh we got a lot to talk about tonight gentlemen uh, especially in the world of nascar let's begin with uh, championship weekend in phoenix i guess our first topic tonight i just want to hear your general thoughts on the championship weekend at phoenix uh before we dive specifically into the truck series that'll be our first true series race that we'll be covering of you know really the the top three series from this past weekend at phoenix uh but just in general what do you think of the racing and what do you think of the championship weekend at phoenix dale we'll begin with you yeah i thought the race product at least on the cup side overall was better than the spring i remember the spring was basically unbearable to watch um and then of course you know ford swept all three all three championships after being basically non-existent all season long which i thought was pretty interesting and unfortunate for us bowtie fans but it is what it is and but uh yeah um another thing is man it's just Championship weekend in Phoenix. I just, I know we've talked about it on this show. I miss it in Homestead still. So those are my takeaways. I mean, that that was the thing that I uh, thought of immediately heading into uh, this show is that the talk of heading into this week is how boring Phoenix is going to be and, uh, or has been, I should say, and how the majority of NASCAR fans wish that Homestead should be the championship again. But overall, I thought the racing product was 
good except for the ending of trucks obviously. it was more than just the ending yeah and they well really the entire <laughs> thing but it's it's all right um but uh, at least on the cup side it was uh, I, I agree with dale it was it was better and i i i like the product there but overall a little bit more mixed but it's it's a slow improvement if anything Except for maybe trucks. Yeah, I I love the cup race. It was honestly it was easily the most entertaining finale we've ever had at Phoenix so far. Uh, I'm very happy Ryan Blaney got the championship win, but again, more to we'll we'll talk about that when we specifically go into the, the cup series race as a topic. But I really thought the at least the last two races of the weekend were really good. I like the I think the Xfinity race was very excite was very exciting. Uh, the Cup race I think would have been better if it was like a day to night transition race. It seems like Phoenix runs better and races better at night for some reason, and because drivers are just able to have there's more grip, you're able to make more daring moves. Uh, although track more slick during the day causes a lack of grip. But then again, with the next gen cars, mm, uh, <laughs> yeah. So. I, I honestly, I enjoyed the racing of uh, two of the three races. The truck race was one of the most obnoxious things I think I've ever witnessed. It was, that was, uh, but yeah, I overall, two out of the three races, I enjoyed. I thought the three championship winners were deserving. I thought Ben Rhodes was a bit of an underdog, as I said, during flag to flag, but, you know, he ran a very solid season. Really, once he got Rich Lushes back as a crew chief, that team returned to form and Lushes was at least up way up until about midway through the season was the crew chief on the 13 truck for uh, Haley Deegan and then Thor Sport did a little bit of a switcheroo put him back with Ben Rhodes who uh, two years ago Lushes was the crew chief for Ben Rhodes when that team won a title so why not put them back together again? And then it worked out well. But uh, overall, I, I thought the weekend was very solid. I, I liked the Xfinity race, I'd say, was probably my favorite. Uh, Cup Series race was entertaining. Truck Series race was a mess. But you know what? Let's talk about the Craftsman Truck Series race at Phoenix. It was a bloodbath. It was a mess. It was... Uh, I mean, I, there was 29 laps of overtime. <laughs> 29 laps of overtime. That's a feature. That's a feature at Ona Speedway. More than a feature. That's that's usually features at Ona, like 20, 25 laps. 29 of just overtime. In the Truck Series race, my goodness, it was a mess. Sean, what, what were your thoughts on the Truck Series race? I mean, uh, that basically sums it up in a, in, a, in a nutshell of how much of a mess it was. It reminded me a lot of the circuit of circuit of the Americas race from mm -hmm. earlier this year and how much of a mess specifically the ending was. I mean, you already mentioned 29 uh, overtime laps, just the incident between Carson Hosevar and Hosevar and Heim is the most notable out of yeah. any out of any of them and i mean my gut reaction there in in first watching hosevar frustrated after after the wreck you can see him in the in-car camera on the broadcast slamming his fist down on the wheel and doing all these motions my my gut reaction was to give him the benefit of the doubt but when you take into account 
how many times I mean this isn't the first time that he's been called out by other drivers around him of spinning people out I mean Truex said he, he uh, Martin Truex Jr. just flat out said he did not believe that he was being yeah, he uh, said it was an serious act. yeah he said it was an act uh, I'm I can't tell for sure but when you take when you take into account the past history it gets a little a little murkier but at the same time Haim really did not need to take that payback and damage himself in the process this just the entire scenario of everything else is just a complete mess but it's I mean it's not the first time we've seen that in trucks no it isn't all right Dale what do you think yeah certainly it was a mess it was a big mess um Twitter was entertaining throughout the entire event yeah it was that was that race was the most active i've seen probably the collective excuse me collective top three nascar garage on twitter in a Mm. long while where everybody no matter who it was was crawling out from beneath a rock to say something about the quality of the racing on friday night it was not ideal that's incredible That's incredible. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle, Kyle also said Ryan Blaney was going to win the championship. He said he was going to be eliminated in the in the first round, but he didn't. You know why? That's incredible. Enough incredible. about Kyle. <laughs> this is my discussion. <laughs> Continue, Dale. For Hosevar and Heim, my take on it, you know, Heim got around Hosevar, clean as could be. He was faster, he was better. And, you know, following corner, Carson completely overdrives entry, just runs into the back of him. That's fine. That's okay. You know, no harm, no foul. Nobody lost any positions. Whatever. And then we get to the following corner, and he just overdrives entry again and runs into the back of the 11 truck and takes out Stuart Friesen in the process. (laughs) It was not not, not good. And as Sean mentioned numerous times, Carson has been criticized for his driving style, and it's... It's been shown again. Like, everybody says they want to like him, myself included. We want to root for him. But this driving over in, over his head needs to just chill out. In making another comparison, it also reminded me of how Chastain, was, uh, Ross Chastain, was criticized for his style, uh, style of racing and uh, other sort of instance like that and uh, that being another driver of guys who uh, at least I, I would want to root for especially after Martinsville but then after everything else it just becomes murkier yeah and you saw what that did to his performance it tanked yeah. well yeah he he lost all of his confidence on the next restart he dropped from first to 18th Hosevar yeah Hosevar and clearly I, I think he just nuked himself Mm-hmm. In, in the sense that, I mean, his confidence was shot, and I think he was just, it was like a, uh, what is the, what is, I, I'm blanking on the name of it, but what is that, the Japanese term for, like, self-sacrifice? Oh, like uh, you take the, har- is Harakiri? Har- yeah, Harakiri or Harikari. Yeah, where he, he did that, and he was like, I don't deserve the championship because I took out uh, the way that I raced time, and he just dropped all the way back to, like, the back end of the lead lap on one lap. He just mm-hmm. fell through the field as if he had an anchor tied to his truck. And I thought just overall, the racing of the truck race was, it was not bad up until that happened. That that was what set everything really into motion where it was, you know, there was some incidents, but, and it was a little messy, but 
12 cautions. 29 laps of overtime. Chris Hacker. Four, four overtimes. Chris Hacker. <laughs> Not just one. He did that in the Xfinity race, too. Mm-hmm. Plowed through somebody. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to make a DUI joke. Uh, Don't. That, or, or, but he at least is Morgan and Morgan. I, I love the guy on the side of the truck. Gets me every time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was uh, it was disappointing to see the quality of racing, and this has been bubbling up for a long time mm-hmm. in the truck series, where uh, people have been complaining for a while that the quality of racing in the trucks hasn't exactly been where it's needed to be. And uh, you get you get a lot of younger racers in here where you look at the truck series like 15, 20 years ago. Heck, you go back to like 2008, the championship battle was between Ron Hornaday and, and Johnny Benson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, now it's three-way battle, four-way battle between guys between the age of like 25 and 18. And the quality of racing suffers. Uh, I'll continue this conversation, continue my point, but as we're at the top of the air, uh, top of the hour, we're going to take a quick break here on Speed Zone. And when we return, more on the Racing Roundtable segment again here on Speed Zone. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Welcome back to Speed Zone. I'm Ben Cower, your host. It's, again, the top of the hour. We just had to have an ID as we're here on WMUL Live. And, uh, obviously, FCC Station, got to have that ID. So, back to the conversation regarding the Truck Series event, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series event at Phoenix this past weekend. Uh, going back to Corey Heim versus Carson Osworth. That was really the big story of the weekend, overshadowed, not, not even overshadowed by Ben Rhodes getting drunk again in the post-race presser, <laughs> which, might I add, was was as fun as it was last time. <laughs> uh, he said, and I quote, dinosaurs weren't real. <laughs> thank you, Ben Rhodes. I love you. The, uh, from, from, a, from a Ben to Ben, thank you for, for being awesome. The, uh, but not awesome was Josevar, and you could tell, and Josevar drove the truck into the corner. He sailed it in there. He spun out high in the middle of turns one and two clipped him in the rear and also ended up taking out uh as you said Stuart, Stuart Friesen and Friesen got the worst of it <laughs> Friesen was giving the 42 truck a hard time when he came down pit road the next time he was running him a half lane down about into the pits in, into where the stalls are <laughs> you know when there's already two lanes on the outside for safety reasons and Friesen was not happy uh, rightfully so and obviously Carson was very upset with himself was flailing his limbs all over the place in the truck like uh one of those very similar to like uh, like, like kermit when he's in the beginning of the Muppet hey, show. Hey, what, a, what a way to describe this incident no it's like the the, the you know the the flailing wacky inflatable flailing arms guy outside of like a car dealership yeah, car the, two, yeah. the tube man yeah, yeah that tube man that's what he was kind of looking like in there for about a solid 20 seconds yeah after but he the, was also crying well he was because he made a massive error and it cost him the title. My pick for the championship last week on this show mm-hmm. was Josevar, and I said, I think Josevar was, I, I think Heim was going to have the best run, but it was too perfect of a season for the 11 truck. And it was. Mm-hmm. He ran a, he, he ran exactly the same race he's run every single race this year. He was the leader of the championship in the race. He was in position to win the title. 
and Josevar was running him down. He had the raw pace to do it. The 42 truck was on rails. The better, the longer the night got, the better the truck got for Josevar. And then, just with about 30 to go, just sent the car, sent the truck down into turns one and two, drifted up, just clipped into the back of the 11 truck. You know, Heim didn't really sustain like race ending damage, but it was enough to screw up the side force on the truck. It was did not have the same speed in it, even with a little dent on the right rear from the contact with Friesen on the outside. Dale Jr. went into it on uh, his podcast and you know said it was inexcusable. And I, I have to agree with him where for a guy for for a kid like Carson, he's twenty and he's going full time in the Cup Series next year. I don't know, and we've said this before, so we've talked plenty about Josevar on the show. He's a fascinating prospect heading into the Cup Series next year. The maturity isn't there yet, and I'm, that concerns me a lot, especially with him going up to Cup, where you already heard very respected people in the garage chiming in their tents, you know, their two cents, and Martin Truex Jr. is flat out, you know, oh, he's faking it. You know, ah, it's just him acting. It's an act. And if he and if he has more incidents like these, I mean, you've already seen with those, uh, those uh, words from Truex and the rest of the garage, the drivers aren't going to tolerate another no, they're not. act first, apologize later sort of thing that Chastain already dealt with, and now Hosevar might be in danger of doing again. The drivers aren't going to stand for that on the track either. And this has been going on for two years now. It's going to be very tough for Hosevar to earn any kind of respect in the Cup Series. He has the, all the talent in the world, but the antics the last two years it started with desperation and frustration over not being able to win mm-hmm. and really the moment everything changed is when he right hooked Colby Howard at IRP two years ago mm-hmm. that moment set into effect the domino effect which has led to now where Josevar is regarded as a top talent but just his racecraft is way too aggressive he'll drive through people he'll run into you and then as soon as he gets out of the truck or the car, he'll say, hey, man, I, I didn't mean to. Sorry, it was this mistake. Sorry, it won't happen again. And then it happens again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to next time. And then you can only say that so many times until you earn a reputation and a label that is really, really hard to shake. And you know, the guy that he reminds me of the most, even physically, is Joey Logano. And both guys, you know, Logano was 19 when he went up full-time in the Cup Series in better equipment than Josevar is going to have next year. But, mm-hmm. you know, Josevar will be, what, 20, 21 when he's full-time in the Cup Series next year? I think he's 20 now. Yeah, and I think I think he'll be 20 when the season starts next mm-hmm. year. He is currently 20 years old. Birthday. Uh, January but, 28th. Okay, he'll be 21. He reminded... the. the Josevar comes up in a cup, right? He's never, he's not supposed to be in cup, right? He has the impressive semi run at, for Spire at Gateway, and then that sets into motion him getting these rides the second half of the season with uh, Legacy Motor Club in the 42, and then race after race after race is putting together top 20 run, no matter where the track is, no matter the style of the track, if it's big, if it's small, doesn't matter. He's able to run well and run with the best 
in NASCAR. Just as like, you know, Joey Logano was able to in the lower levels and then got that sliced bread nickname. And then just that just left that really irked some people, you know? It it made people think a different way about Joey Logano and then it didn't help that Lugano got arguably rushed up to cup because people saw him as the next big thing, the next greatest thing. He was able to put together... He was the only guy beating the domination of cup drivers in the Nationwide Series at the time. And that's why he got rushed to cup. And Tony Stewart leaving, they needed a guy in there, throw Joey in there. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, it took Lugano a couple of years to figure it out, even though he won a rain delay, you know, he won a rain race in his first year's rookie season at New Hampshire, but he did not earn the respect of the garage for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And he was an aggressive racer, just like Josevar. I mean, and also, <laughs> Logano also, it, it didn't help that his father, Tom, was also very protective over him and was always seemed to be there and then got into it with some veterans. Pocono, 2010, sends Kevin Harvick sliding in turn two or turn three. And then after, you know, Harvick gets out of the car, says some mean stuff to Logano. Logano, after the race, says, you know, his, the famous quote, you know, his wife wears the fire suit in the family. Because that was back when Kevin Harvick's wife, Delana, would wear a fire suit on the pit box of every single race. But he Mark needs... Martin in 2012 as well. Yeah, at Pocono. Mm-hmm. And Josevard is... He's getting to that point, and maybe he's even past that point. I think the Cup guys now have even less tolerance for him than they did for Logano when Logano got to Cup. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous territory, and he needs to just... It might take a full year of him not doing anything, and I don't know if he can do it. I don't know if he can do it. He has the talent to clean up his racecraft, but I don't know if he can do it because if he has been actively trying to clean it up... It still sh- breaks through sometimes. It gets it squeezes through the cracks. And it happened in the Truck Series race. An absolute shame. Rex Heim and then Corey Heim wrecks him intentionally, despite what Heim said. Heim said, oh, I didn't do it. I slid up on the exit of turn two and put him in the wall, but he wrecked him intentionally. He just didn't want to get fined. His arm itched. And then he did get fined and penalized. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, and... Today was what, Doc, 25 points and mm-hmm. what, 15K? A 12 or 15K, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, no owner's points, but it was just driver's points. <laughs> yes. And it, it was more, and then even Josevar didn't dispute it at the end of the race. He said, I deserved it. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm ran in me, I deserved it. Which I will say, I I do commend that in a way. Because mm-hmm. he could have just said, oh, you know, I ran into him. It is what it is, blah, blah, blah. If he wants to talk, we'll talk. Um, but no, he... he you know, and he immediately got in his head. That's an, another thing that is a terrible look. Yes. Um, but, you know, he got in his head, fell back there, and then commended it. And then when Heim wrecked him, you know, he, he said that's fair. And may, this may be unpopular opinion, but Heim didn't need to pay him back. Damage is already done. Now, I didn't like the move that Heim did because he took himself out of the running for a, t- a championship. And it looks especially bad considering how that race ended. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Grant Enfinger got muscled out of the way and then tried to run his way back. There, was, Ben Rhodes, the right front of that truck was decimated because he got run into on like the second to last restart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Corey Heim could have won the championship if he didn't do that. 
it set into motion a little bit more of the chaos already erupting at the end of that race, but he destroyed his own truck by doing that. He had a truck that was still able to run, like, top six or seven. He just didn't have the pace to lead. And then he raged and decided, rather than win the championship, the old, you know, if I ain't winning, you ain't winning, and then took out Josevar, and I don't... It, Hindsight's twenty twenty, but that was not the right. Just move. insult to injury at that point. It it should have been a, a, a scenario of uh, of Corey Heim more so doing the old uh, what's what's the phrase I'm thinking of? What goes around comes around, yeah. sort of deal of just letting letting karma do its thing in in that scenario. Rule one of stock car racing: don't learn how to wreck someone without wrecking yourself. And I get it was purposeful, but. Again, uh, I'll make a pun here. Heim site is 2020. Wasn't that funny? It's the battle of the ages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, again, uh, congratulations to Ben Rhodes. It was a messy race. Uh, plenty of wrecks. I mean, we don't need to go through all of them. Really, the big one, though, the big story was Heim versus Osivar. And Heim's going to be staying in the truck series next year. You know, whether he's able to replicate the season he had this year and then finally close it out with a title next year who knows but Heim will have unfinished business after this year mm-hmm. and for host of our sake going up to the cup series full-time next year that's a it's a big leap and he is going to need to mature a lot over the off season and then i don't know what he's going to do to try and change people's opinions i don't know if he even can change people's opinions heading into next year but he's got a lot of learning to do Better, and people are going to cut him no slack. He better not run into anybody at the Snowball Derby or wherever else he's running. Yeah, he, <laughs> he is running the Snowball Derby, too. Yeah. That is true. And, oh boy, if if he does. <laughs> On to the next topic. Uh, the NASCAR Phoenix race for the Xfinity Series. The Xfinity Series finale. Uh, again, Cole Custer wins the title. John Hunter Nemechek blows it in turn one on the final restart. Uh, ends up wrecking to finish out the race after a fantastic season just your guys thoughts on the xfinity race dale we'll start with you yeah john hunter choking and then ended up in the fence was a nice sight to see i will say myself um but no he just 20 car really didn't have the speed to to close it out there at the end and and then you know jrm gm motorsports had no speed throughout the day whatsoever no they were nowhere to be found. It, it didn't have race-winning speed. It's no. like Allgaier got wrecked on lap one, mm-hmm. you know, and then got went spinning literally on the first lap. And nice recovery for him. Uh, again, he finished second in the title race, but then comes up short again. Mm-hmm. Barry was really, you know, nowhere, but that's... I mean, it's how his season has really gone. Sam Mayer finished top five, but he never was really up there. Like The closest he got was off a turn two on the final restart when they went not just three, but four wide. Mm-hmm. And then he had to hit the brakes or let up because otherwise they would have all wrecked off the exit onto the backstretch. So that was really the closest he got to a win all day. Dale Jr. brought this up um, on his podcast is that, you know, he told Sam Mayer before the race, he said, nobody predicted that you would have been here nobody Mm -hmm. so the fact that mayor made it to the final four by itself is a massive achievement and i don't think that they don't have anything to be proud of because they do um but i expected more out of allgaier he was my pick last week i did expect more speed out of him and overall custer just schooled him yeah it was sort of the opposite 
of my opinion of the trucks race and where the the ending of the Xfinity race and the top, the final four being in the top four heading into the final restart made the race that much more exciting. And I mean, it was good quality racing. It was. And combine that with the, the, uh, maneuver and result of Nemechek and just going too hard into, into turn, turn one, it, it, it looked good for about, half a second to a second where he dive bombed into turn one gets way out ahead and then he just keeps sliding up the track and it just it didn't end up going in his favor but it looked good for about half a second but yeah I mean other than that Custer and Nemechek were dominant all day and it's really it's really poetic to see the result of Sheldon Creed in this race yeah. of being the bridesmaid <laughs> once again as he has for most of That's the year. That's incredible. That is incredible, <laughs> Kyle Petty. Thank you. <laughs> it, uh, Sheldon Creed will end up winning next year when he's definitely not at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, yeah, but he... Um, man, uh, you know, out of the all the drivers that we're running for a title here in the Xfinity Series this year. Again, none had ever won an Xfinity Series title. Congrats to Cole Custer, but I think it's very fitting that the guy who's won a cup race out of the four of them is the guy who ends up winning the championship, and he was arguably the most mature. He Cole Custer's not a guy that goes out and he causes drama. He doesn't run people off the road. He's not an aggressive driver in the sense that he's going to rough you up to win a race. Cole Custer has that really old school style of driving which very very funny ryan blaney the same way and we'll talk about that on the next topic but cole custer just ran his own race drove a fast car prepped by stuart haas racing late season resurgence for that team good on it and cole custer just drove the car drove a clean race didn't run anybody off the track stayed out of trouble good pit stops from the crew good strategy complete performance from Custer and he was the most really the most mature on the track out of him where Allgaier again was running really hard to get back up there and beat himself again and John Hunter Nemechek went out and ended this season the most John Hunter Nemechek style possible going out in a ball of flame and with a wrecked race car trying driving your butt off to try and win a title and he comes up short again and he's just all his, his entire career has been a little over aggressive i don't know if, if he's going to be able if that'll work better in cup who knows i mean he's already in he's been in cup before mm-hmm. and i mean he got a top 10 in a front row car when it had no business being a top 10 what three years ago 21 I think. Yeah. and he's a very good driver dominated the xfinity series this year and just came up short again because he overdrove the car, lost the handle on it off the final restart, sent it deep into turn number one, and just lost all grip, lost his front, and didn't have a handle on the car, slid up, and it was all that was all she wrote. Had no momentum on the back stretch, and then as we mentioned, Sam Mayer obviously was never running cup, but uh, as you mentioned, Dale, impressive from him. A lot of people were down on him. There was rumors swirling, and he wasn't going to be back at Junior Motorsports next year around mid-season and then he started winning Mm -hmm. him and marty lindley figured something out midway through the season and uh, you know almost won a title this year 
definitely is going to be a title contender next year in the Xfinity Series, rightfully so. But uh, another congrats to Cole Custer. It was a very exciting race and very refreshing after what happened on Friday night. It was exciting racing. It was clean for the most part and just hard racing between the four title contenders who were all in contention up until literally the last restart. And it was exhilarating. Now on to the next topic. Here's the big show, the NASCAR Cup Series finale at Phoenix this past weekend. Ryan Blaney walks away with a championship title. It's his first ever. Again, the second in a row for Penske and second in a row for Ford in a car that is arguably, out of the next-gen cars, the worst off arrow-wise. And yet it won two straight championships in a row. Uh, Again, Chastain wins the race. People might have forgotten about that part, but uh, Ryan Blaney ends up the winner Want to hear your guys' thoughts on NASCAR's at least Cup Series championship finale? Sean, we'll begin with you. Overall, the racing was really exciting to me. The battle between Chastain and Blaney near the end, with the two bumping and banging out of Turn Four, was was great, and it was fun hearing Blaney say in in the post race. Uh, press conference. Of, yeah, he was asked at one point, did he bump into Chastain on purpose? And he goes, of course I ran into him on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, overall, I was really uh, excited to see Ryan Blaney uh, win the title after and coming back in this, in this race too. I believe he was down to 15th at, at one point in the race and came back to do what he did. And uh, in the title race as well. I mean, there were multiple points yeah, started throughout the, throughout these entire playoffs where, and even into 15. the past couple of weeks, where you yourself, Ben, said, uh, you know, I I think his luck is going to run out. I just didn't believe he could do it. We were on it, the Blaney train, man. Yeah. And I was. <laughs> well, it it didn't end so well for me. I said Christopher Bell was going to win the title, but. His brake rudders had other plans. Yeah, his uh, brake rudder, his brake rudder didn't want him to win the title. But <laughs> oh well. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Blaney, as you said, Sean, I just finally he put it all together. It was a different driver in that mm-hmm. twelve car. The la- the playoffs of this season really passed. I mean, he won the Coke Six Hundred and was so emotional after winning that race because he's he had hadn't won in a while. And you know, got emotional saying it was basically what Almendinger did at the Roval, where he's like, you don't know when you're going to win again. You, just, you cherish the moment and you let it sink in. And then Blaney utilized that and just ran consistently throughout the remainder of the season. And then come playoffs time, he just heated up the longer the playoffs went on. And tremendous run to the finish for Blaney. Dale, you? Blaney's average finish in the playoffs was 9.5 with the last four weeks being sixth, second, first, and second. Impressive. Almost, almost Stewart 2011-esque, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logano 2018 is what it reminded me of. Kind of not so really there up top all year and just shows up in the playoffs. But overall, I uh, thought same, it was entertaining. Same thing really as Logano last year, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says... Those darn Penske drivers all seem to... Showing up at the end. Showing up at the end. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got 
we got another winner for the first time since we've had the championship four format. Yeah, 10 we, years. We saw dual burnouts again. Mm-hmm. It was very nice, even though NBC declined to show any of Ross Chastain until <laughs> after the fact that he smashed the melon. Dave Burns asked him, like, what, one question? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here, you're the unimportant winner here. Oh, yeah, you won too. But, uh, okay, Ross's, Ross's yeah. answer was so funny. He's like, or Dave was like, you won the race. You know, people might have forgot that. And he's like, did we win? Did we, Dave? Did we win? the race and he's like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) yeah he he was poking fun at NBC a little bit but uh, yeah Ross Chastain did win the race congratulations Ross congratulations good job Blaney got hot at the right time he He got hot at the right time and uh, you know looking back uh, do not believe Bell had much race winning speed I know he was up there but I don't know if he he was he qualified back in the mid-teens with mm-hmm. Blaney, and then, you know, it worked his way into the top six or seven with the rest of the championship four, and that's when the rotor exploded, is that he was running like seventh or eighth, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, uh-oh. And then the Hendrick cars, I knew when that caution came out with around 30 or 40 to go, that Blaney was just so stout on long runs all day, and Larson and Byron struggled heavily on long runs all day. So I knew for a fact Blaney would, should get around them no problem as long as he didn't get in his own head, and he did. So, yeah, congrats to Blaney. It was pretty awesome to see. Um, another new champion for the Cup Series. It was pretty rocking. I, I was making the argument that he might already have the case for a Hall of Fame career. I mean, it, it's like he, he, has a, he has a crown jewel win in a Coke 600. Now he has an NASCAR title. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he wins, maybe another crown jewel and another 10 races and he's only what 30 29 29 30 i mean you still got a long career ahead of him mm-hmm. and who knows i already he's got that championship relatively early uh, pop very popular championship win mm-hmm. i don't think there's anybody that is really angry that ryan blaney won this championship and finally it's what everybody wanted out of blaney for years where just consistency and being a consistent threat to win races, especially down the stretch, is really never able to finish. And then finally, Blaney was the best down the stretch this year. A different Ryan Blaney mm-hmm. won this championship. And you mentioned Dale, by far, that 12 car shredded everybody on the long runs. Mm-hmm. There was nobody in the same ballpark as that car on long run speed. And outside of maybe Chastain mm-hmm. and he won the race so it was it was a very impressive performance from Ryan Blaney I doubted him and I'm pleasantly pleasantly proven wrong uh, many congrats to him and uh, shocking to me that Hendrick honestly Hendrick had two cars had two bullets in the gun and it was not faster I mean Larson you kind of saw it during the season just not consistent enough had mm-hmm. incredible race winning pace most weeks and then would just be you know all over the place it's not like he was bad or wreck or wreck yeah <laughs> and then william byron was the one that shocked me the most was that yeah got, went out won the pole was fast early and then he said it after the race once the track rubbered up lost the handle on the car and was just not the same car all day for a car that won at that track in the spring and you know Setups are going to change between then and now, but uh, I was expecting a little more out of the 24 car after the season that he had. These last two weeks even were rough. Went a lap down at Martinsville. Yeah. Yeah. It was... 
I don't know. By- Byron, I was expecting a little more of a charge from him in the final race of the year, but maybe he just wasn't ready enough to win a title yet. Mm-hmm. Take a couple stumbling tries before you finally are able to get there. I mean, look at Ryan Blaney. You know, mm-hmm. he's come close. He's usually in the round of eight, round of 12. Around that time, he'll get eliminated after a decent season. And then finally, first ever time he's in the final four, he puts it all together. Mm-hmm. And then this is the first ever time, I believe, in the final four for Byron. And mm-hmm. who knows, next year could, could, could come back and, and win. Same with Christopher Bell. And Larson was already that close to winning a second title in three years, which is impressive within itself. Uh, easily, that's why he's one of the best, if not the best driver in the Cup Series. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, Impressive performance by Ryan Blaney. A clean race by the Cup guys. Again, refreshing (laughs) again after the truck race left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, Farewell to Eric Almirola and Kevin Harvick, too. And Harvick was up there. Look at that. Look at Harvick. He was up there. He led laps in his final race. Mm-hmm. Who else, I mean, outside of maybe Jeff Gordon, has done that in recent memory? The I will say as well, the beginning of the broadcast and in the pace laps when NBC started with having a Harvick's kids over the uh, in yeah. the car radio, like wishing him luck, that, that, was, that, that was a little bit... Uh, it, I, I'm not gonna say it was a little bit much, but it's 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 like something out of like a movie in, in like the beginning of of the retirees final race, and the kids are wishing him luck. They're in the they're in the pit, they're in the box as well. It, it's it was. I thought it was cute. It, 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 it was. He got, but. he got choked up after the race because Kelly Crandall asked him, you know, she brought up, nobody else up until that point had brought up the fact that, you know, his kids had talked to him on the radio before the race, and then Harvick, who was, you know, nonchalant seemed very happy in the interview you know content with finishing his career out with a good finish good race led laps i mean didn't win but you know that this wasn't on the menu this year for harvick mm-hmm. uh and and stewart house racing really as a whole but you know once kelly asked him that question about hey you know what did it mean to you for your kids to talk to you on the race you know over the radio before the race and harvick just like he gave a real one sentence answer and then like kind of ducked his head down a little bit and then held up thumbs up and then walked off Harvick does not show emotion no he doesn't he does not and very rarely yeah for him to duck his head and you know I think everybody recognized that and he knew that and he had to get out of there Mm -hmm. it's rare you see him get a lump in his throat Mm -hmm. yeah and Good end to a fantastic career for the closer. I am, I for one, am very excited to hear him on uh, Fox Sports in the Cup booth next year. I think I, he'll, I think he'll do a good job. I agree, and even even if he didn't win, he still improved in points from last year. He finished in fifteenth last year and thirteenth in this year. So, even even if he didn't get the ultimate goal of winning a winning a, a, a race, or not the ultimate goal, but winning a race this year, it was still an improvement from his performance last year as well. So, uh, it's now a sunset on the season for the Cup Series. Ryan Blaney, the Cup Series champion this year, and again, in the blink of an eye, it'll be February, and then we'll be racing again in the Bush Clash in February, and then next thing you know, it's the Daytona 500 again. Mm-hmm. The racing, or the beautiful thing about the racing world is that it revolves so quickly, and we have such short off-season that things start up quickly again. And heck, we got racing in the winter, too. We got the Chili Bowl, we got the uh, Derby, Derby, where, and we have the uh, Rolex 25. 
2024. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still have Formula One to go. We still have V8 supercars left to go. I mean, there's plenty of racing action remaining over this offseason, but already a, a sunset on a long season for the Cup Series, and a big congratulations to Ryan Blaney. <laughs> Now on to the next topic. We'll go on. We talked about this in Flag to Flag, or at least I did. The mess at the All-American 400 and it, at Nashville this past week. And there was a big cleanup gaffe, again, off that restart on lap 211 of 300. Race officials didn't throw a yellow with Cole Butcher leaking oil and God knows what all over the track in turns one and two. And... Didn't throw yellow. It was reminiscent of when, what, NASCAR didn't throw the yellow for the rain at Daytona Mm -hmm. in, uh, uh, what, 2022? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was last year. It was a mess. And I'll ask you guys, is this excusable in a race of this prestige and level for the late mods? Dale, I'll start with you. Absolutely not. Inexcusable. And what NASCAR did at Daytona in 2022, this is worse. This is far worse. It was bad. Because... (laughs) Very clearly on the restart, Cole Butcher ran into the back of somebody and uh, was putting fluid down and smoked for a very long time throughout the entire one and two. You could very clearly see it on the broadcast that he was putting fluid down, yet they did not throw the caution until the field met turn one and they jumped to like the top eight cars. And it sounded like from the from the broadcast, uh, well, the clip of the broadcast that was on Twitter, it sounded like the officials didn't even really look at the track until after the caution and when they were showing the replays of the wrecks mm-hmm. that's that's when it was said all oh, the officials are, are looking at the track right now to look at look at the fluid and i mean the the thing that makes this even more inexcusable as you mentioned butcher was leaking fluid and very clearly doing so through multiple turns so the fact that there was no caution thrown or anything to clean that up or even look look at it was uh, there's no excuse for that. Ty Majeski was furious, rightfully, rightfully so. so. Rightfully so. I mean, really, the the two just for context, you know, contextual reasons for the national tour for ASA, your two title contenders entering this race was Cole Butcher mm-hmm. and Ty Majeski, and Majeski was dominating the race. I don't necessarily knew if he knew if it was Butcher that blew up, which was probably added into the anger a little bit. Uh, frustration if maybe he didn't know if he was going to win a title at that point. But tore up a good race car. He was dominating uh, a crown jewel event in the late mods. And you lost the race because of the ineptitude and the inaction, primarily because of the race officials. It's inexcusable. And this is like, it's the second week in a row. I mean that I'm, I'm using the words inexcusable and embarrassing. Last week, it was RCR Martinsville with the Creed and Austin Hill situation. And then we have this. And it's just so disappointing where, again, we ended up finishing out the race. But, again, it was something out of, like, the Three Stooges where, you know, they all go sliding on ice or something. You go whoop, 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 whoop. And there's, like, six cars sliding up into the outside wall in, in turns one and two. And then the whole... The, all the leaders wrecked. It was William Sawalich was running eighth, and he ended up winning the race. Mm-hmm. It's like he was not the dominant car all day, and he ended up winning the race. He was handed to him by the race officials because they didn't throw a caution for something that they always call a caution for. If there's a car leaking on the track, and it wasn't at night either, might I add, if you didn't watch the race, 
it was not at night. It was during the middle of the day on Sunday. So there was no reason that someone might look out there and say, and it was also, might I add, in sunlight, too. It wasn't mm-hmm. shady, uh, although there is the overhang over the stands at Nashville Fairgrounds. You could, clear as day, literally and figuratively, see turns one and two. There was no reason for the race officials to be like, uh, I don't see anything out there. I've been to Nashville Fairgrounds. It's not that big, and you can see turn one very yeah. clearly. <laughs> it's... Uh, inexcusable how that happened and it tore up a lot of good race cars millions in damage probably and i guarantee you some of those cars are going to be used for the snowball and now are going to fix them if they can fix them which is why you know adding to these guys frustration Mm -hmm. that i mean you look at majeski i mean he ran winchester with a backup car Mm -hmm. because this car that he fixed got wrecked before that Mm -hmm. fixed it to come run nashville then it gets wrecked again not by his own doing. That's ultimate frustration. Both times, not of his own doing, because I'm pretty sure that car was wrecked at Lacrosse in Wisconsin. Yeah. Got ran into the back of by Dalton Zier. Um, and then fixed it, and then now it's wrecked again. It's just insane. All right, we'll move on to the next topic. Now on to some dirt racing news, and we talked about this two weeks ago when it was... The last time the three of us were on the show, and uh, the High Limit Sprint Car Series, which is now renamed High Limit Racing, we were talking about primarily at that point Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet's purchase of the All Star Circuit of Champions racing tour from Tony Stewart, and <laughs> they also owned uh, the High Limit Sprint Car Series, and now they buy up <laughs> ASCOC. They are renaming the High Limit Sprint Car Series to High Limit Racing. The big news is that it is expanding next year massively uh, by the hand of Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet. He's got a big old deal with Flow Racing. And again, Brad Sweet, 2023 World of Outlaws champ, who's won the last five World of Outlaws titles in a row, uh, is going to help expand the schedule from uh, for the... Uh, it was an 11-race schedule in like 2023 going to be over 50 in 2024 uh and then brad sweet is going to run full-time and high limit i don't think he's going to run full-time in world of outlaws and world of outlaws is such a this is like if jimmy johnson left nascar after winning his fifth title mm-hmm. in a row and then just got up and left and went to go run indycar in like 2011 instead of you know 2021 mm-hmm. uh you know, we talked about Sweet and Larson making moves in the dirt racing world a few weeks ago. We were questioning if the dirt ra- have the dirt racing wars begun. I pose that question to you guys again, Sean. Have the dirt racing wars be- truly begun with this expansion and this move? Two weeks ago, I said yes, but I'm slightly switching my answer, and I will say, unless Brad Sweet leaving World of Outlaws brings more of those drivers into high limit full time unless that happens i'm going to say no in terms of a full-on competition of i am trying to like take over uh this uh, and in high limit racing like trying to take over the spot of world of outlaws because even though these uh 
schedule is everything's being expanded. There's going to be uh, raised purses, races in Eldora and Texas, and all of that. There's it's still going to have off weeks for drivers to participate in the Crown Jewel events. Yeah. So even with the new deal and raised purses and everything. It's it's still allowing space for World of Outlaws to have a little bit of breathing room. So at least in the short term, it's not going to be a full on battle between the two uh, between the two leagues. Uh, but in the long term, it really depends on uh, how many drivers from World of Outlaws switch over, if anything. Yeah, or Dale, what are you going to say? Having two big names in Brad Sweet and Kyle Larson is going to make it very hard for the World of Outlaws to compete with this, I think. It's already stealing events from the World of Outlaws. Mm -hmm. The Skagit Nationals are going to be exclusively a high limit race next year. Mm -hmm. That was a World of Outlaws event this past year, and that's not the only one. Silver Dollar Speedway, Gold Gold Cup Race of Champions, that's also going to high limit. Mm-hmm. That's primarily because of Larson out of you know Chico, California. But that's they're losing. World of Outlaws is losing events that it had exclusively to this series. It's losing its arguably its biggest star and most dominant driver of the past five years, and he's going to go run a rival series that he owns. I don't again. My question for this a couple years ago, or a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago, was, is, it feels like a couple years ago, uh, was this a power play in the world of dirt racing? Is this, you know, Sweet and Larson trying to buy up all these series so that they can try and work their way into some sort of a eventual merge with World of Outlaws or, you know, build up a rival series? Again, both, both these guys love World of Outlaws a lot, but then again... If they loved it, they'd probably be. Only, they wouldn't compete with it. They wouldn't try and tear it down by buying alternative series to it and then boosting them up, building all these deals to compete. I mean, the purses are going to get a lot bigger on the high limit side, unless they want to acquire it. And it that could be the end game. Here. It it was said. I forget which one said it, but it, it, one of its goals was uh, making things more feasible like financially for drivers and ever and and part of that i believe is also with raising raising purses so if that's the case that could also play a part in uh more of a higher stakes competition between the two i mean two more two more and sean you'll know at port royal i mean that's going to be high limit next year yeah and then the nearby portsmouth speedway mm-hmm. here in, in near in ohio yeah. That's going to be Highland next that's, year. That's I'm looking forward to that. By that's the way. that's another big move in getting Port Royal, the races at Port Royal as and well. Also, some companion races with NASCAR too, where that is taking a page out of. I mean, not necessarily a true companion race, but I mean, like World of Outlaws, it closes out its season at Charlotte. Mm. Just literally a hop skip from the street across the street a bridge away mm-hmm. from charlotte motor speedway in the heart of nascar country and you're gonna have these events literally lined up with with nascar events cup weekends with mm-hmm. exposure to potential cup crowds and then you got kyle arson and brad sweet two of the biggest names in dirt racing racing in this series really exclusively i am really intrigued to hear who's going to jump ship but this is 
certainly a story to keep an ear and an eye on as we go into the offseason here. And I'm sure there will be nothing said about this at the Chili Bowl. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be no. I'm sure there'll be nothing said about this at the Chili Bowl, which is like arguably the greatest gathering of, of dirt racing in the off season. So there, there'll, there'll be there'll be no drama. It's there. all fun and games till High Limit steals that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's next? But uh, with that, it's going to uh, close up this show for tonight. Dale Garrett, Sean Kelly, thank you guys for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, that'll do it for Speed Zone this evening. Again, uh, plenty of racing action this past season. We're gonna we're going to have a show next week to kind of decode the season that was in NASCAR and across motorsports. Uh, but plenty of racing action still ongoing this year. Up next here on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network, going to be Kentucky and Marshall Men's Soccer. Have a good night. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.